Good morning, church. We are in the final week of our Summer of Worship series, and we have been looking at the six C's of serving. Now, you're probably thinking, thank goodness. But we began this journey by looking at how Jesus was preparing the disciples to serve according to Matthew 10. So we've been in Matthew 10. This is our sixth week. And we looked at how Jesus commissioned, conditioned, gave the disciples uh, confidence, asked them to be courageous. There was a level of commitment. And now this week, the sixth C is the cost. I know we've all heard about count the cost. Well, this week we're diving into that. So clearly, if you are hearing this message, you're unable to join us for the 11 a.m. worship. So you know what to do. Grab your cup of coffee or your glass of sweet tea, and let's settle in and hear what God has in store for us today. So this morning's scripture, we're still in Matthew 10. We've kind of inched along. Now we're in verse 34 to 39. So go ahead and open your Bible or your Bible app. Make your way to Matthew 10, and we'll start in verse 34. It says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn man against his father, daughter against her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemy will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or their mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we ask for your clarity and your discernment in this message. And we ask that you open our minds and our hearts and help us to receive this message. Lord, help us to apply it to our lives so that as we share your words and your promises according to scriptures, may every step we take glorify you. We ask all things in the precious and holy name of your Son. Amen. So now Jesus has revealed so much to the disciples. He told them what to expect as they answered the call to share the good news. He warned them that it wouldn't be easy. They would face rejection, but they must remain committed to the task because God would provide for their every, me their every need as they took this journey. So Jesus now shares the most difficult aspect of this task. The task requires a personal sacrifice. There is a cost. The free gift of salvation was to be taken to everyone. They were to share the good news. Were it not offered freely to those who very much undeserved it, like myself, then none of us would have the opportunity for salvation. Our salvation is an abundance of blessings from the Lord. We can experience those blessings now and in eternity. 
we really do not, I think, we really do not talk that much about the sacrifices required to serve the Lord. I think we live in a reset button world where we must learn to serve the Lord with our whole heart and it comes at a price. And not be in a place where we, if we don't like something, we just hit the reset button and start over. We must be willing to seek Him with above everything else. We've got to seek His will. Our loyalty must be to Christ alone. If we are to be what He desires. So let's look at the realities of serving Jesus. Let's count the cost. So first, when we serve the Lord, there's conflict. We are in conflict with the world. Jesus is very straightforward when he tells the disciples what to expect and how the world will react. The reality is, Scripture tells us that Jesus didn't come to bring peace and send peace throughout the world but to bring a sword. These words were probably not what the disciples expected. They'd seen Jesus as a very great and wonderful man, full of compassion. He healed the sick. He cared for the poor and the disadvantaged. He was the Messiah. He was the Savior. Yet Jesus proclaimed, He had not come for peace, but with a sword. There will be perfect peace when the Lord comes back again. He will establish his kingdom and he will rule with a sword in judgment over evil. So Jesus is not saying that violence is okay. He knew that mankind had become wicked since the fall of Adam. The whole world has been under the curse of sin. You don't believe it? Just turn on the TV. There's so many things happening in this world today that I know I catch myself going, how is this even comprehensible? I can't, I can't even wrap my brain around some of the things that the news reports. But the enemy and those who follow him, they will stand in opposition of all that is holy. Jesus is aware of this conflict. He knows the difference in day-to-day -day life of mankind where good is battling evil. This is nothing new. But Jesus would never condone or approve of the sinful acts of mankind simply to keep peace. There, I said it. I'm, I'm a firm believer in it. He came to offer himself as atonement for our sin. And on the third day, he rose in triumph and victory over the enemy and sin. He came to wage war with the forces of evil. He is committed to defeating sin and the eternal consequences that it has on mankind. So Jesus warns there will be resistance. Scripture tells us that man will be against the Father and so on. Jesus reveals that those who commit to follow him will face rejection from those closest to them. Some will be rejected by their own families. And while, while I don't seek out division, I have experienced it when I answer the call of my life. 
I'll tell you that I had a great peace inside of me when I was warned about rejection. It didn't stop me from answering the call. But Jesus goes on to tell the disciples that if they love anyone more than the Messiah, then they're not worthy of him. The disciples, you know, they likely could deal with a conflict. I mean, after all, their, their lives gave them calloused hands. Their, their lives was not like a bowl of peaches. They, they lived some pretty rough lives. But Jesus declared that they must love him more than they love their own families. And this statement really put their relationship with Christ in, into perspective. Now, no doubt, these men absolutely loved their families. And Jesus declared their love for him must exceed the love for their families. He wasn't saying these men could no longer love their families, but their devotion should shift to Jesus. That should be a priority now. I think this is easy to understand, but very difficult to communicate with others, especially when we're talking to a non-believer or someone who is very new in their faith. All too often, I think we try to put a worldly understanding on things like this, and that absolutely does injustice to Scripture. In my opinion, that's us taking Scripture and conforming it to the world, and Scripture tells us do not conform. We are to be transformed. You know, I think many claim to love Jesus, but are not fully devoted to him. Again, there I said it. But if we're to serve the Lord on such a level, then we must love him supremely above all else. So there's a, there's a factor of denial. Scripture says that we must take up our cross and follow Jesus. And if we, if we don't do this, we're not worthy of him. The commitment to follow Christ goes beyond our love for him. It requires us to deny ourselves. Not only must we love Christ more than we love others, but we must love him more than we love ourselves. And this denial, it has two levels. So on the first level, there's sacrifice. We're reminded that the responsibility to bear our cross is a requirement. Jesus isn't speaking of just a few sacrifices. You know, we're not just like how so many people do at Lent. Let me see what's easiest to deal with. This requires much more than just a simple carrying of a burden for a short amount of time. We must be willing to lay down our flesh desires to serve the Lord. If we're unwilling to deny our flesh we cannot fully love and serve the Lord as he desires. Bearing our cross is essential in discipleship. So the second one is submission. While it's not likely that one would bear their cross without following the Lord, Jesus declared that we must seek after him if we are to be his disciples. And in Ephesians 6, it says that not with eye service, but as a servant of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good doing service as the Lord, as to the Lord, 
and not to man. We have to do goodwill from the heart to God. We're not here to please man. Now, there was a level of discernment, and this comes in verse 39. And finally, Jesus declares what appears to be a paradox, but he reveals so much truth. Those who find their spiritual life in Christ must lose their physical lives, the lives they knew prior to him. Through salvation, the old man dies. That sinful life of his desires die. Jesus declared those who find spiritual life in him must be willing to die to those desires of the flesh. And I think right here is where, as believers, we part like the Red Sea. Because on one hand, you have those that are willing to sacrifice in order to abandon their old life, their sinful desires, for the new walk with Christ. Those who deny their flesh are promised abundant life in Christ. We don't have to wait for heaven to come for this abundant life. We're blessed now. He tells us that life lived in him will far exceed anything the world could ever offer. Jesus assured the disciples that their sacrifice would not be in vain. They would enjoy his blessings and his guidance as they served him. You know, there can be no doubt that the world offers so much to satisfy our flesh desires. However, the abundance of the world will never compare to a life lived in obedience to Christ. So my question this morning, how have you responded to his offer of salvation? Have you truly denied your flesh desires in order to fully serve Christ? Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for all blessings flow from you. Lord, we thank you for your mercy and your grace and your guidance and your unfailing love and your redemption. We pray for a spiritual awakening in our own hearts, our church, our community, our state, our leaders, our world. We pray that you'll open our hearts and our minds to a, a deeper understanding of your word. And Lord, may every knee freely bow now, for there will come a day. And on that day, I do not want the rocks to out-worship me. And now we pray with one voice, the way you taught your disciples to pray so long ago. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Please know I'm praying for you. Every single day, every time there's a message, please know that I'm praying for each of you. So, until next time, always remember, speak life, be a blessing, 
Put your faith feet into action to cause a positive ripple effect. Because if you don't like what's going on around you, you can be the change. Make that positive ripple effect. Until next time, much agape, everybody.